Well, welcome to church. How y'all doing tonight? So, so good to be with you. If we haven't met, I know we've got some new faces. College is back, and we're so excited that everybody is here. And so if you are new, my name is Ross, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. I get the opportunity and privilege to serve here. And we're going to take a a break from 40. We've been in this series throughout this whole year of 40, this journey. And we're going to take a break from that tonight. And uh, I want to share something with you. But before we do, I want to pray. Let's pray together. God, we just... We just come before you this evening and we ask for you to be here. We ask for you to come and speak a new word to our hearts, God. We ask that you would just soften our hearts to hear the word that you want to speak to us tonight, God. And we ask that as we continue to learn what it means to follow you, to find freedom in who you are, God, that you will transform our hearts and that we will walk away different because we had an encounter with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want you to think back on a time, uh, the last time maybe you were sick, or just a time when you had to recover. I was talking to a friend actually right before this service who is in the process of recovery, and we all know how frustrating uh, that can be. But think back to a time when you were trying to recover from something. I, I think back to the beginning of this year, I had this minor surgery, and my prescription for recovery was, was really like to be bedridden. I wasn't supposed to pick anything up. I really wasn't supposed to move that much for a couple of days. Um, and you know, it was actually kind of nice. Like I got to lay in bed. I got to uh, watch TV and rest and read books. And my wife cooked all my meals for me and sometimes brought them to me in bed. Um, but if you're like me, on like day three, I got sick and tired of it. Like, I got restless and bored, and I had binge-watched five seasons of The Office on Netflix, and I had read through the whole Harry Potter series. And not only that, but my wife, you know, she is so caring and compassionate, but I can just see the annoyance and frustration on her face of having to take care of not just one child, but two children in her house for those three days. And when I, when I think about it, um, what I really got tired and sick of is like being helpless, having to rely on someone else. You know, I couldn't do things for myself. I couldn't go and run an errand when I wanted to. I couldn't even pick up my daughter into my arms. And I just wanted like my routine back. I wanted to be able to control what I was able to control. Is anyone else out there like me, like you just hate relying on people for an extended period of time. And I think what was exposed in my heart during this recovery time is that there's this thing that happens in me where when I have to rely on someone else, it's like I'm giving someone else control of my life. And when that happens, I'm not free to do the things that I want to do. I don't have the freedom that I, that I usually have. And I hate that feeling. I kind of realized I've got a little bit of control freak in me. Anybody else in the room? And here's what happens. Whenever we feel like we need to control all these areas of our lives, it seeps into all these other areas of our lives, right? And so we hear people say that, yeah, I'm just trying to keep all the plates spinning. Or I'm just trying to keep it all together. But the truth is, is that when we strive to have control of all these areas, It's impossible. 
It's impossible to keep our hands around and control all the areas of our life, especially in the culture and the day and age in which we live in. The kids, the job, the mortgage, the college schedule, the homework. Me just saying those things like stresses us out in this room, right? Not to mention all the extracurriculars, social media, coming to church, watching the Cowboys game on the weekend. College football's kicking off this weekend. Can I get an amen? Claps even. I'm in on that. But all of these things going on, something has to drop. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't have it all together. Our life is a little bit messy if we pull back the curtain, right? I mean, getting a little real, we post the the picture of the smiling kid on Facebook on the first day of school, but we're not posting about the anxiety or depression that just consumes our thoughts and our minds. We all have messes. And here's the truth. Here's the truth tonight. We weren't designed, we weren't created to be able to control everything, to hold everything together. We were created to put our reliance and our need to control on someone, on something else. There's a life available to us that is full of safety and security. That no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what is circumstantial around us, we can still say, it is well with my soul. We can live in the tension of, yeah, I don't have it all together, but I know I'm safe and I know I'm working towards something. And I think whether you call yourself a believer in Jesus, whether you're pursuing a relationship with God or not, this life is attractive. Cultivating this life is something that we all want to have in our lives. But the the truth is, the flip side of that is that in order to live this life, in order to In order to follow Jesus, we have to put our control, we have to put our desire to have everything together, working together, we have to put that on someone else. We have to give up our control. We have to trade it away. And just like I hate the feeling of giving my control away, this holds us back in our relationship with Jesus. But faith in Jesus is built on the reality that ultimately we have no control But we can hope and trust in the one who does, the one who has ultimate control. And the full and the satisfying and the joy-filled life that we all truly desire in our heart of hearts, it's not found in holding on, but it's found in letting go. You know, Jesus, the great teacher, he knows knows this about us. He knows that humanity, it is. It needs this control. And so in the epic teaching that he gives in his, to his followers um, called the Sermon on the Mount, many of you know this passage of scripture, he gives us a prescription to relieve us of our need to control and to have it all together. Many of you know this passage that I'm gonna read to us and it's gonna come up on the screen. It's in Matthew 6. And I want us all to say it together. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says this, then this is how you should pray. Say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the Lord's prayer, really? 
Like, that's the thing I used to say before football games as a high schooler playing football, and it didn't really mean anything. Or that's the thing I heard when I was growing up in church, and it just went over my head. How can this old, ancient prayer, saying, phrase, how can this have any relevance to my life? And what I want you to do is just give it a chance tonight. Give it a chance, and I believe that God is going to speak something powerful to each one of us. You know, prayer in reality, is an exercise in letting go. A life surrounded and cultivated by prayer is one that knows it's safe and secure. Prayer is fuel for the life that Jesus has put out in front of us, the life that is available to us. But I think that we all have kind of a distorted view of what prayer actually is. And the, relig- and the religious leaders in the Jewish practices of the day of Jesus, they did as well. This foundational prayer that Jesus inserts here is revolutionary to his followers. And I think that it's revolutionary to us today as well. You know, the disciples, they saw Jesus do miracles. They saw Jesus preach. They saw Jesus stand up to the oppressor- oppressors of the day. All these incredible things they saw Jesus do. And yet, they didn't ask him how to do any of these things. Luke tells us, the the gospel of Luke tells us that they asked him one thing. They asked him how to pray. So then it follows that prayer was not only a powerful part of the regular rhythm of life of Jesus, but it was central to his existence on the earth. And something that blows me away personally is how this prayer starts. It starts with this line, Our Father. I don't know about you, but when I think about prayer, I tend to think about the right words to say, the right place to be, but Jesus is saying something different here. Jesus was among the rabbis or the religious teachers of the day, and the most common way that these rabbis referred to God is this Hebrew word, Adonai, which we get our English word, Lord, from. But Jesus was different. He most often referred to God as Abba, which is an Aramaic word meaning father or dad. While others were using ceremonial or religious language to address God, Jesus comes to God as a family member. He uses a relational word. He calls God dad. And don't we have the same challenge today? We, like the religious people around Jesus, We think we need to say the right words and do the right things in order for our prayers to work or to be heard. But this is the very thing that holds us back, the very thing that stops us from doing the one central, most transformative act that we see in the life of Jesus. We have been saying this around here all year. We know that believing will save us, but it's following that'll set us free. So to follow, to truly experience the freedom that Jesus has for us, we need to adopt this practice that he has shown to us. And you know, I would contend that the reason why the disciples asked Jesus to pray above any of the other things that Jesus could have taught them, why the prayer life of Jesus looks so different than any other religious teacher is this first line, our Father. And I think that this is the hinge point of our prayer life. It is the key to unlock new depth, new intimacy, new freedom, and fullness of life. What Jesus is showing us here is that the chief aim of prayer, it points to the biggest struggle and biggest tension that we find ourselves 
falling into as believers. And it's our view of God, our thoughts and feelings of who God is. Jesus, he's brilliant. He knows us better than we know us. And he knows that our biggest struggle isn't some sin. It isn't some relationship. It isn't some circumstance. It's who we see when we see God. Because here's the truth. If we had, if we truly had a right view of God, if we could truly believe in who he promises to be, then our lives, they would look radically different. If we could just truly see who he is, our father, a God who loves us unconditionally, irrespective of past mistakes. Do you tonight, can you fully believe that God loves you more in this moment, that he cares about you more than he ever has, that when he sees you, he doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see your broken present, but he sees you as the perfect son or daughter that he created. That he is more enamored with you in this moment than anything else and nothing you can do can change that. That is so hard for our brains to comprehend because we experience nothing like that on this earth. And it's why it's so imperative to constantly remind ourselves that we have a heavenly father who has a love that is unlike anything else in this world. Our father, a God who desires good for us always. He wants the best, most satisfying, most fulfilling path for your life. Do you, can you fully believe tonight that every way that God leads you, every yes and every no, every opportunity and every closed door, every success and every failure, that God is still good and that he intends good for your life even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the heartbreak and sorrow that God is still good. Can you still believe, Romans 8, 28, that God works everything for good for those who love him, even when there has been abuse in your life, infertility, betrayal, crushed dreams, bankruptcy, loss. Our God, he has overcome all of this. And scripture says that we will have trouble in this life, but we can have hope in our God who has overcome the world. That we may feel pressed and crushed and persecuted, but our God is still with us. He is still good. And that's just the beginning of who our father is. That's not to mention his forgiveness that finds us at the point of failure again and again. Or his mercy that instead of judgment, that is deserved for us, he offers blessing and kindness, that he promised justice for us, that in this life or the next, he will right our, all the wrongs that we face daily, that no matter what, he will never leave us or forsake us. This God, he's incredible, he's amazing, he's wonderful, he's beautiful. All the best adjectives that we can use cannot do his description justice. So of course, it's hard to believe fully and truly in this God. If we don't have adequate words to describe him, then how can our minds fully comprehend him? We can't. But herein lies the point and purpose of the organization of the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that we're looking at tonight in the genius of Jesus. In our lives, we prioritize the most important things first. And Jesus is doing the same thing here. He is showing us that in order to be free, in order to fully experience the depth of relationship with God, we must continually come back, reorient, remind ourselves of who God is. We must always begin and start with our Father. 
I think this is what Paul is saying in Romans when he says that our minds are to be renewed. Our pastor often says that we tend to remember the things we ought to forget and forget the things we ought to remember. We must renew our minds to the reality of who God is regularly. I think that if we could just rest in this one small section of this prayer on a regular basis, our lives, they could look radically different. How different would our families look if we had a deep grasp of who this father is? Instead of conflict, our homes could be a place of peace. Instead of worry, we could have security. Instead of frustration, we could feel and give love out of the overflow of the love that we receive from our father. How different could our workplaces look Instead of the pressure and stress and constant drive to succeed and achieve, what if the delight of God fueled us to work as hard as we could and then we could have the peace to know that God could handle the rest? What kind of different presence would we be in the midst of gossip and negativity if we were rooted in God's joy and his love? Something that we say a lot around here at Cross Timbers is that your destiny is to make a difference in the life of someone else. And a grasp of our Father will radically change your life and in turn will radically change those around you. But it's interesting that it's not focusing on making a difference in some, someone's life that has the greatest impact, but that it's gaining an understanding and a belief and a heart knowledge of who God is that will in turn change those around us. But this kind of heart change, this perspective and soul shift, it will take time. Changing your mind and thoughts to something so different, so outside of our understanding, it's difficult, it's a challenging task. But I'm telling you, it's an investment that is worth it. Our Father is something in this life that is worthy to give your discipline and your dedication to. And it's why Jesus crafted this prayer, this poem, to be so easy to remember so that we would think and remember it often, regularly. And then this regular remembrance will begin to take root. And over time, not overnight, we will begin to train our minds to think about God. And you know, all this talk about God as our Father probably brings some negative feelings to some of us in the room tonight. Maybe you have pain around the term of Father because of abandonment or abuse or absence. And I can only imagine how hard it is for you to wrestle with this idea of God as our Father. And I just want to say that, that I, I recognize your pain tonight. I recognize how difficult it must be to, to see and view God as Father. But I also want to say this. God is the perfect picture of a Father. And I truly believe that healing is possible for you. I really believe that God will meet us at our point of pain and will begin to redeem this view of Father in our lives. I don't think that a journey like this will be an easy one, but I do think it is one that is worth giving yourself to, giving your life to. And that's because God is someone that we want to spend time with. An incredible thing about this prayer that, that it starts with our Father is that it's a reminder to us that prayer is for us to spend time with God and for God to spend time with us. 
That one of the, the, the goals and aims of prayer is to enjoy and find pleasure in being in the presence of the one who created us and who in turn enjoys being with us. What we see in this prayer is that Jesus doesn't begin like many of us do, listing off all of these requests to God. He begins with looking to who God is, our Father who wants to spend time with us. You know, I'm a father to a little girl, little Evie, two years old, and she is wonderful and beautiful and sassy and independent, and it's all like wrapped up in one little two-year-old body, so I would really appreciate your prayers. (laughs) And right now, she loves blocks, or what she loves to call building towers, And I love to sit there with Evie and and build blocks with her. And this is normally how it goes, right? Like we're in her playroom and I'm helping her build this really cool tower and I'm spending a lot of time like making sure I can can build the base so we can get it as high as we can and, and I get done building this tower and then she knocks it over. And then she says, build another one, daddy. And it goes on and on like that like a hundred times. It's great. And you know, the thing is, is that I don't, I don't spend time sitting there building blocks with her because I love building blocks, although, although I do. I spend time with her because I want to be with her. I love Evie, and I love being with her. And Evie, in this um, little two-year-old phase, she, uh, she wants things, and she wants things now. So... Um, Sometimes she'll ask me to come build blocks with her. So say, for instance, um, I'm having a conversation with my wife. Uh, She'll say, hey, daddy, you want to come build blocks with me? And if I don't acknowledge her or if I don't answer her, she'll just get louder and louder until there's nothing else that matters in the world besides building blocks with Evie. So it'll be something like, hey, daddy, you want to build blocks with me? Hey, daddy, you want to build blocks with me? Hey, daddy, you want to build blocks with me? And I'll say, yes, Evie, of course, let's go to your playroom right now. And that's a funny story, but I think that this is the idea of what Jesus is getting at when he's telling us to come to God as our Father. That we can know that we don't annoy God, that our needs aren't a problem to him, but that he wants to be with us. He wants to sit with us just like I want to sit with Evie and Bo Blocks with her. He wants to sit with us and just be with us. And this is one of the chief goals and aims of prayer. So we can come to prayer with this knowledge and belief in the goodness, in the incredible character of God. And we don't have to have the right words. We don't need to have a list. We can just enjoy who God is. We can enjoy being with our Father, our Dad, who loves us and wants the best for us. And not only loves us, but he likes us and he actually wants to be with us. So if you're like me, and you, have, you truly have a hard time of giving God control of your life, if you are striving to keep it all together, and let's allow the love and desire of our Heavenly Father to invade our hearts and transform us. So something practical that I want us all to attempt this week this, is this. I want, I want you to join me in this practice Let's all wake up just five minutes earlier. So you can do this right now. Take out your phone, pull out your alarm, set your phone phone alarm five minutes earlier. And here's the thing. 
In the morning time, there's nothing sacred or special about the morning. You can do this midday. You can do this in the afternoon. But what I, what I would say is that studies show that the morning time is the most habit-building time of any other time in your day. And I would say that this practice is one of the most transformative practices that you can practice. And so that's why I think it's important to do it in the morning. So set your phone alarm to five minutes before you normally wake up. We can do anything for five minutes and we can do anything for a week, right? And this is what I want us to do. I want us to just wake up, find a quiet spot and just say this simple phrase, our father. And then just begin to draw your mind to all the wonderful things about God, his love, his mercy, his grace, his justice, his kindness, and watch as he begins to speak to you in these moments. Just five minutes, but I'm anticipating and believing it will change my day and my week. And I know that I'll be able to see God in a way that I've never seen him before. Let's pray. Father, it's so hard to come to you this way. Whether it's because we think we've got a grip on our life or whether it's because we have pain and wounds around this phrase, this term. God, we just, we come to you in this moment as your kids. As those who are completely and utterly reliant on you, who need you. God, and we just sit and enjoy the fact that you want to be with us, that you love us, that you want good for us. God, in my, my prayer today, the thing that I ask that you do is that you give us a little bit of a glimpse, a little bit more of a glimpse of your love for us of your care and concern for us. And that tonight, that we can be changed, that we can be transformed because of our encounter with your love. Our Father. And maybe you're in this room today and you've never, ever even begun to consider God as a good dad who wants good for you. God, I would just pray in this moment that those hearts who desire so strongly to just want something other than the existence that they have in this moment. I pray that you would meet us in that place and you would show us that there is safety and security when we give our lives to you, 
when we give over control to you. God, we just, we are just so grateful and thankful for your love, for choosing us, for accepting us, for wanting good for us more than we want it for ourselves. God, let the belief of who you are change us today and all the days of our life. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.